Well, good morning, Dr. Biljana Kostovic. Good morning. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. How about you? Oh, I'm really well. I'm doing very well. Thanks for asking. I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, speak to me about this cool little project I'm doing called Origin Stories, where I get to talk to people I find fascinating and who have affected me personally in a great way, and I tell people about their story. Well, thank you for having me. Oh, well, thank you. So, Bilian, I can tell from your accent that you were not born in Canada. <laughs> yes, okay. some people can tell um, by me saying hi that I wasn't born in Canada. Well, which and, I find funny. And I love the fact that people come from different parts of the world and they end up in little Ontario, Canada. So tell me about where you were born and how you ended up here. Well, I was born in Bosnia. I spent um, almost most of my life there. Um, and then just war started and then we were all um, kind of left and, uh, and I ended up in Canada. Now, I understand from my limited study of history that this area of which Bosnia is a part, was under a huge amount of change because there were cultures that were ethnically similar, culturally similar and dissimilar, living in a huge area. And because of arbitrary borders, all sorts of political upheavals and wars started. Am I wrong about that? I don't know. Everybody has own story. Um, I'm from the middle of the country. Okay. Um, we were, I was, I never knew that there was any difference. Um, we were born and raised under the Tito. So he came into power after the Second World War. And it was uh, some kind of mix between socialist, communist, democratic. We actually had a really good um, system and it worked. And then he died, and we were all, uh, I didn't know there were Muslims there. I didn't know there were, there were uh, Croats or whatever they're called now, or Serbians. I wasn't, my parents never told me that I was one of any ethnic groups. Uh, so, But when Tito died, all of a sudden, over the next 12 years, things started changing. Um, for me, we thought, even when, we, when war started, we thought that just some crazy people are getting drunk and, and, and firing around the town. But then, you know, just uh, all of a sudden we hate each other. All of a sudden we can't work with each other. All of a sudden we ask to be separated. Hmm. What was that like for you? My family and me, we just uh, fled to a different country. We stayed there for a few years, and then in 97, I came to Canada. So I would say that when people go through hardship, they have to find within themselves a huge amount of uh, resourcefulness and resilience to face hardship. What are your thoughts about that? 
yeah, you can call it now like that. But at that time, you just do um, whatever you have to do. I consider myself a war profiteer because till 92, I was very sheltered, a little girl who really who played violin. Mm-hmm. And did the med school and, you know, did everything right. And then all of a sudden, 92, uh, we are going to different place, which wasn't my country. And they didn't like me mm-hmm. because of my accent. And then over the few years, we spent all money we had. And then it was just a terrible time. Um, I worked in a merge at that time. And I would get, if, if I'm working... And I get my salary in the morning, uh, which is like 500 bucks. By afternoon, that salary is 50 bucks. So it's really, it's really very important to change that money into the euros or, or whatever, or, or dollars in order to be able to pay your rent and to pay whatever you need to pay. So I, I couldn't live out of my salary. So I smuggled stuff. I, um, it was just, it was, it was crazy, but that made me grow up and Mm -hmm. that made me, uh, see that there were, there are all kinds of different lives other than what I'm used to. And I kind of started respecting those lives. It wasn't, you know, so if you go somewhere, you would be just scared. And I did my scare. For, for so long. And then at one point, if you want to survive, you can't be scared anymore. You have to go in. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what I had to do. Well, why did you choose Emerge or did Emerge choose you? Um, when I was going through med school, I was really interested in uh, psychiatry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, uh, after finishing, my, my father died. So and you need connection. This, I don't know how, how bad is it here, but it's, it was very, very bad there. Uh, my father died in 86, and I finished med school in 86. And uh, we had to work for two years before getting residency. I was very active in psychiatry. I was doing groups. I was volunteering in um, alcoholic hospitals or, or whatever it was called. And then when residency came around, I didn't get it. I was so hurt and so angry. Then I chose completely different. Like as far as I could go, I did. So that was a merge, but I loved it. Hmm. I loved um, um, b- being able to, to fix something there and then, and then you're done with that. I could never do family practice, I, I, I thought at that time, because I just couldn't see the same people all the time, addressing things which might be addressed a different way. Mm-hmm. So and you probably I, I loved would it. have done a lot of psychiatry and emerge, I imagine. You would have had mm-hmm. a lot of exposure to everything. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, it was, yeah, it was a bad time. It mm-hmm. was a bad time, yeah. And there was slowly... You know, so I would, what I was going to say was um, everyone or, yeah, I would say everyone I've spoken to has uh, some sort of a crucible event, you know, they go through some thing 
that can alter the course of their life. Was your event the psychiatry piece or was it someone's death or did somebody, did, or was it the war? Oh, it was the war, definitely. Definitely was the definitely. war. Oh yeah, it was the war. So psychiatry didn't happen, well, didn't happen for reason. You, you go, whatever, my, my deaths are just there. You kind of, it's fine. But really, what really changed my life was a war. Because sometimes, you know, through psychiatry, you think, uh, at my time, I was, I liked Freud, I liked um, Fromm, I liked, uh, I don't know, after some other people. And it's all about you dwelling on problems. Um, and, but then I, I really learned what, uh, when, when you remove yourself from situation, sometimes that's really the best thing to do. You know, you can dwell so long and try to fix whatever for so long, but when you move, then things really change in every way. Mm. And that's what war did for me. I became all of a sudden, I was just little, no confidence, nobody. It, because it also in my country, my, my family is all artists. So what was um, appreciated was art. I was just a doctor. Mm. You know, that's a huge difference here. I'm a doctor. My sister who, who plays piano, she's nobody. Mm. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a different um, culture. Mm. But um, what I wanted to say... Yeah, so once, once I, I got into the being refugee and once I had to learn how to survive there all of a sudden, and yeah, and then people uh, liked me, respected me, not for my family, not for my husband, not for whatever, for myself. Hmm. And that's where I grew. And that's where I saw, saw I can do anything. Well, and well. I like that. Huh. Yeah, I was finishing my residency. It took me a long time for 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 um, another country to let me finish. But at that time, we didn't have any money, so I had to go to different city. To it was just a, it was nightmare. So I in the in the morning I was um, in school uh, taking lecture because the one year was just lectures, and then afternoon night I would work and repeat. But I had to get to another city, and I didn't have money for bus. So I was selling cigarettes. <laughs> because that was a... And so I have no, no penny. I have... My friend would give me whatever uh, cigarettes, and I would sell them, and I would go and buy a bus ticket. Wow. Yeah. So what I'm hearing is that <clears throat> when you set your mind to something and have clarity about what you want, you go after it no matter what. Um, yeah, it turns out like, like that. And that was not me before 92. Wow. I, I did what I was told, mostly. And I love to be told. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I was, um, I was going through your questions you gave me, and then there is one question, what is the one word which would... Uh, I don't know, where is that question? 
If oh. yes, if you if were, you were word, one word, what word you you would be? And I was like, holy crap! <laughs> so I. I talked to my kids, and they said they were, and it didn't take them too long. Uh, both of them said, "Oh, determined." Ah, uh, yeah, I wouldn't know that even now. But even listening to your story, that you made your way—you know—you had to go to school in the morning. You wanted to work in the afternoon and night. You couldn't get there. You had to get there. You had no money, so you sold cigarettes. You know. I mean, yeah. that would, so looking back, you know, what I say is um, if I had known going to school late in life, how long it would have taken me to get to where I am. And I might've said, mm, that seems like a long time. Maybe I wouldn't have done it, but I had a goal. I had this, my mind was closed to everything else, but this thing. And when I look back, I think, wow, that took me a long time. I don't know if I'd do that again today. But it's like I just put one foot in front of the other and I did it. And I did it, um, I mean, in the same country I was born in, not with any assistance from anybody. Really, nobody supported me. But I wasn't going through war. <laughs> I wasn't going through, you know, having to peddle cigarettes to make it to a bus. I mean... It was really privileged, but um, I would say, yeah, determined, that seems like a great word for you. But is it your word for you? Oh, I have no word for me. I you have know. no word for you? <laughs> Just no. like fabulous? And no, 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 no. This is what I, I, don't know. I don't know. It's just, you know, here you have a, you have a space, you have a freedom. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I don't think... I never thought if I can do anything different. Mm. You know, I started my residency in Bosnia. That was uh, halfway through. Um, I was working in Emerge. I wanted to finish my residency because, you know, you start something, you finish. Mm. I never thought not that I cannot to finish. Maybe that's, that's different. Mm. So the same thing here. Um, I, I really like being a doctor. Hmm. So I, I was like, what am I going to do? I, I know nothing else to do. I have no interest. Even though I played bloody violin for, for 12 years and, and went to university for it, I was still, that wasn't, I don't teach little kids to play violin. I want to be a doctor. Hmm. Hmm. And then you do whatever you need to do. Hmm. I didn't think I had a choice. Oh, God, I got it. Yeah, I didn't feel like choice. It Even though like, all of your support would have been for you to become a violinist. Like your family would have loved that probably, right? Because um, they, yeah. they were artists. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they, no, you, had, no you could do whatever you want. Good. Well, that's great. Um, yeah. uh, what I was going to ask you is... Um, I would imagine, but I don't know this to be true, that when you were doing a merge in Bosnia, when you were in, you know, in a war-torn country, doing a merge would be, like I would, this is just my thought, coming to Canada in comparison, and I think comparison is the thief of joy, but in comparison, it would seem like a walk in the cake, a walk in the park considered compared to what you probably saw in Emerge. 
Yes. And you know what the most beautiful thing was here? Hmm. You could order whatever you wanted. Ah, okay. I had such a thrill because there, so I think we have very good doctors in sense of education. But once you start working, you just don't have resources. You just don't have CAT scan. I, I, I finished my, my residency and started working in a very, um, very good hospital. It was a military hospital. Uh, and actually they offered me a job there, which was rarity. Um, and I know we, in the morning after night shifts, we would have a big round. First, physicians sitting and talking about patients and then going to see patients. And God forbid if I order CAT scan or MRI, I had to um, write an essay why I did it. <laughs> like I had to really explain and, and prove that I had no other choice than to order one because it was expensive. Mm-hmm. You know, so that teach you first. You have to be super um, skilled with improvisation, I guess. And then, really, when you when then you really need to know why you order it. Mm-hmm. And then, then I remember for MIs uh, at that time we did a streptokinase, and and uh, TPA was um, reserved only for young people. And I remember coming here, here and ordering TPA and nobody questioned me. Hmm. That was really something. I was, I was riding on, on that feeling. I was happy. For, I would for imagine years. though, too, in a culture, in a country where you don't have access to all the technology, it would make you an amazing clinician and diagnostician though, because you would have to rely on the basics, which is what we're all taught, history, physical exam, and listening to the patient. Yes, yes, listening to the patient is forgotten here completely. That's right, so there, yeah. there's an over-reliance, so the, it's the flip side of the coin. There may be a lack of clinical and diagnostic skill with an over-reliance on technology, hoping that it will give you the answer. Just like, well, okay, I can't do anything. So why am I reading this? Why am I learning? Yeah. You know, so that's, that happens to, to my colleague. Hmm. Hmm. So then okay. there was about an 11 year difference between when you um, graduated and then mm-hmm. you ended up in Canada in 97. What were those mm-hmm. 11 years like for you? I'm working a lot. Working I a really, lot. Yeah, it was the war time. So it was till 92, it was, it was okay. Uh, till 90, I was doing, uh, I was working. And then I got to residency, started in 90. And then I was doing residency and a little bit working because I had to. And then 92, it was just like all reason and all life just uh, went away. Wow. And then I just kept doing, just like, just kept going. Hmm. Yeah. You just kept going. Yeah. And why yeah, did it was, you choose, 
Why did you Sorry. choose Toronto? Um, so when we were, so I, I, I thought that war is going to be done in a couple of weeks and then we'll all go back home. So, and then my husband was not, he was held in Bosnia for a long time and my mother. So I had to wait for him. Um, so we missed the boat in the beginning when everybody was accepting refugees. Hmm. So by the time we realized that war is not going to go away and we are stuck in a, in a country we didn't want to be in, um, it, was not, it was not easy to go anywhere. So we really applied for Canada, I think first time in 94, and we just couldn't get in. And by that time, no country in Europe was accepting refugees from Bosnia. Wow. So it was just like you're stuck where, where you are at. I didn't want to stay in, in, uh, in Serbia because um, uh, I, it, I just wasn't, it was just awful. Um, it's different culture. It's um, um, me as a doctor, I need to kind of get money from patients in order to survive. Mm. I couldn't do that. My, I couldn't, I didn't want to give up my accent. <laughs> um, my kids were um, looked down as refugees, and they really didn't have any future there. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's why we decided to leave. And what was that like? Because did you speak English? Um, I thought I did. <laughs> <laughs> and then I came here and I was like, oops. So my, my sister, she, uh, she was, um, her, her husband was in, in Croatia already. So they divorced. So she got uh, to Quebec City. She went to school in Paris, France for a couple of years. So her French was super good. And then we were supposed to come. And then I was just like, I'm not learning another language again. I knew a little bit of French, but nothing. And French is way more complicated. So that's how we got into the in Toronto. Wow. Yeah. So what, um, you know, I talked to lots of people that are from different cultures and different countries. And clearly what I think, but I could be wrong, I, in my imagination, that who would not want to be in their homeland if they could be? The foods they like, the language they speak, the places they grew up, they usually leave. Well, sometimes they leave for, you know, because they want to, but often it's because they have to. It's not safe. It's war-torn. So they can like, they can say, well, you know, I appreciate Canada. I like Canada, etc. But of course they would miss their homeland. What's it like for you being in Canada? I, I went through those phases. Uh, so, but, but once my, my mother died and my other few uh, members of family died, that was kind of it for me. I have lots of friends, but they are in London, in Germany, some are in Bosnia, some are in Croatia. So, so, so we have lots of in states, lots of in Canada. So um, no country, really. Okay. And my, my illusions of, of country I was born in, that's nothing to do with reality. Every time I go there, I'm like, hmm.
Mm. It's different now. Wow. Yeah. And Canada is, other than weather, it's pretty good. <laughs> pretty good. Uh, it's very comfortable. Oh, what so, I miss, I miss com communities. I miss um, big family, you know, and, and it's not just family. It's a big of community. Mm -hmm. you know, so, like kids to be in front of the house playing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how, what would you find, if, if now that we're going through this COVID business, when you speak about community, um, what are some of the learnings you've had around, <clears throat> around COVID? <clears throat> hmm. I don't know. It's something is weird about whole COVID situation. You know, it's just a, it's just a flu with a little bit of higher mortality rate. Mm -hmm. um, two years ago, we had a 50,000 flu cases and 1,500 people died. I don't know where not, where not we, where are we with numbers now today. Uh, and 2,000 people die so far. Um, but, uh, I don't know what kind of exercises is this, but something, something weird is happening. Um, people are either more open. It's, it's the same thing. People are either more open and more, um, willing to be community or completely scared and shut down completely. Mm -hmm. So it's just, it's a really weird time. I see I have a dog, so I go for walks often. And you can see people who are wishing um, interaction, who are wishing touch, who are wishing love. And then people who are mortified of just seeing another human. Uh, isn't that the most fascinating thing? I, I find it, because, you know, in our um, training, of course, we touch everyone. And I'm a big... Uh, hugger, because I my one of my beginning training was in HIV and AIDS, and nobody wanted to touch these patients, you know, in Toronto in the 80s, and so I started um, hugging people just because they they nobody touched them, mm -hmm. and they they were so they had this you know need to be touched, and so then I became a real hugger, and uh, and it's very strange for me not. To touch people. Mm -hmm. so for me, I don't feel afraid at all. I've never mm -hmm. felt afraid like I do house calls. I do. I wear the gear more because I see mostly cancer patients or palliative patients at home. Sure. And then I might go to somebody else's place. So, um, but it doesn't scare me. But you're right. It's like there's this huge division. So if I walk down the street, it's so strange to see somebody looking at me from three blocks away. And you see this, their ears prick up and they look terrified and they cross <laughs> over on the other side of the street. Yeah. Yeah. Strange. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. I know. Yeah, we, we gear up in a clinic, but again, uh, we, we don't, well, the moment you have a patient who is COVID positive, I'm, I'm going to close. So uh, we screen well and we have like all those masks, all that. But, uh, and we have cancer patients, and actually that's why we open, because mm -hmm. we're cancer patients. Um, but like, personally, I just, I 
I don't feel right with wearing a mask outside. I'm like, it's just the air. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the flu, you know. <laughs> so I don't know. I it's don't know. Uh, very strange. Um, mm -hmm. So some of what I think I practice, just because of my training, I like to call it sick care versus health care. You know, somebody comes to me with, it, it tends to be somebody has a problem and, you know, in the way I was trained, you sort of hone in on the problem and you fix the problem. It's not, I love to be more holistic and I try to do that in my practice, but it's sort of like, it's more sick care. Mm -hmm. What do you well, think about, what's your take on medicine these days? Well, let's hope that something good comes out of this viral infection. Mm. because uh, our health system really cannot survive much longer. We became um, protect yourself and protect whatever uh, society. Nobody touches the patient. I, I just had actually um, a couple of weeks ago a patient who told me has a family doctor for years now. That family doctor never touched them. And there is a family of two. Hmm. It's just a computer and putting notes into computer. And wow. I guess maybe the new kids are, that's how they are trained. I don't know. But this needs to, I, I think family medicine needs to become, not just family, all medicine, needs to be become preventative medicine mm -hmm. rather than treating a sick. Because once you get to sickness, then bills go up tremendously. I agree. You know, you know and then, the, yeah. No, no, you go ahead. No, and then treating, like, uh, I think that would be wonderful to teach people how to live healthy and how to be healthy and not to allow illness and die healthy. Mm -hmm. How not would you do that? To be sick. How would you do that, Biliana, if you were in charge of the world? In charge of the world. Mm, that sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, raise their consciousness. Mm. Yeah, I think that's the only way. Raise them because lots of you have patients who come to you and say whatever you say, doctor. Mm. It, you know, th well, yes, that is very true. But, you know, my approach is that I'm not someone's mommy. Mm -hmm. I don't, you know, and I'm not responsible for their health. Mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm part of their team. Yes. You yes. know, and I think it's yes. good that we have a team. And I firmly believe that patients, when they have more knowledge and they have more control over what things mean to them. Like whether or not they choose to do anything about it is up to them, right? Exactly. Exactly. Because so that, that's what medicine needs to be. Mm -hmm. You know, educate, make, make them conscious of themselves, their bodies, their minds. Mm -hmm. And then... What, what they can do for their health. It's all about, it's 99% their work. I agree. You just and I help think, them here and there. 
That's right. So then we can, uh, the eye can be more of a guide. So for yes. instance, um, one of the things I'm working on is when people come in, they want to see their blood work, which I think is fabulous. A lot of people, if you order blood work, they can go online, they can see the results. But, you know, the glucose comes in one page, the hemoglobin A1C comes in another page, the cholesterol. And so they look at this, this amount of numbers and they are a little, you know, there's nothing that really ties it nicely together. If, there's, if it's a pubic hair off of normal, they panic. They go mm -hmm. to Dr. Google and their anxiety goes through the roof. So mm -hmm. I would do this little teaching tool, which now I'm making into a little um, video. So that if people have blood work done or they have a test done, they can figure it out online at 10 o'clock at night. They can get the result. They can figure out what it means and, you know, do not panic if it's the range is 30 to 60 and you're 29, but everything else is normal. Mm -hmm. And if you have more control over your health with parameters and you understand more and you understand what your risks are, maybe with apps, etc., you can have more control and do better. Now, if you choose not to do so, well, that's, that's up to you. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. people are more active when they wear their Fitbit and they want to get their 10,000 steps in. And don't you find it fascinating here in London, one of the emerges is empty. So people are not going to the doctor. They're so afraid. So, but they all of a sudden don't need us. Yes, they did because they did. They don't. They don't because they don't exactly it could have been an outing it could have been visits it could have been anxiety related just to talk and because it's covered it's free yes 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 so you don't even think you know if you have to think can i afford this maybe it would be different answer that's right I, yeah it's really like yeah you're right yeah you can do lots of your practice with um with technology i love doing um um, genetic testing. So, yes, so do I. How do you do it? Uh, 23 and me, and I'm part of the uh, Sir Royal and Douglas and whatever, and they have an app, and you plug in and you get their responses. So what? But what I did, uh, I have kind of I extracted some genes I know, and then I picked up data from everywhere, and I have like big, big template, but what what they did with their website it's pretty good and this is douglas laboratories yeah yeah I, i'll give you all, all contacts for that yeah, yeah it's interesting because i know someone who worked there and um so do you do the blood draws at your office no it's not a blood it's a it's saliva oh you know, yeah we order tests for people and that's uh, um i think 300 bucks very often they go on sale for 150, like 50% or something. And then uh, to read, you charge whatever time you needed to, to get the data and everything. This so, is fascinating. Yeah. And then when you show patients, hey, you are not methylating well. So you're going to gain weight. You're going to get, get high cholesterol and diabetes. Take a methylation agent. And methylation agent is folate or whatever... Uh, vitamin that th there is patients will say oh yeah I see it now 
Wow. So see, this yeah. is the, you know, meta, I still believe in history. I love to talk to people. And if you listen long enough, they'll tell you. They'll tell you what the problem is. They'll tell you what well, the oh, diagnosis yeah. is. They'll yeah. tell you everything. And I, of course, I believe in the physical exam and touching people, not because, because it's a medical procedure. I mean, you need to lay hands on. True. The order we should do things in. But let's say, um, let's say you, you may very well have a family doctor. If you were looking for a family doctor and someone said to you, Biliana, what are you looking for in a GP? Because you're a doctor, you can't do a lot of things for your own self, right? So mm -hmm. it's like, this, this is kind of what bothers me because I know what I need, I know what I want, but I have to go to a student at a clinic and tell a story and they're 25 and, you know, mm -hmm. it plead my case. So I just don't go. So if you were looking for a GP, what would you want to see in a family doctor? Mm. Uh, knowledgeable. Okay. In, in family medicine, able to connect dots and, able, and, and hear me. Mm. Have you experienced that? Yeah. That's good. Yeah, I have my family doctor. He is like 45 minutes from Toronto, but I go. Wow. So even though it's a distance, you could find somebody closer, off you go. Yeah. So I like that. Have you had any um, mentors yeah. that have, um, that you would, that, that have influenced you? My biggest mentor was my art teacher. Wow. Yeah, it's kind of funny, like I'm 60. <laughs> and I remember that guy, he, would, he was just um, teaching history of art in high school. And uh, he, he made me wish to learn about yeah. everything, not just art. Wow. Yeah, he was wonderful. And then I, after that, I had one doctor who was a big influence on me. He was a nephrologist. During oh. the med school, I did some research for him, but he was very mellow, nice, like human, you know, humanly human. So I was like, oh, I want to be a doctor like you. Isn't uh, it I, amazing that we can yeah. um, go through school for so long, and really, out of all the teachers, you basically can think of one? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe two? That's yeah. wild. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So then, since you did emergency medicine, and that was your whole life, and now you're doing, well, you're doing something different and really exciting and totally innovative, how did you make the leap into this new way of practicing? Because now you're not just doing Western medicine, you're doing medicine that traditionally has been in other spheres. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. So, um, one of the reasons why I was working, why I was so happy with Emerge, is that you don't have to listen to the patients, and that's a big jump from that psychiatry person. I loved ICU. I loved intubated patients. I loved numbers. Mm. Yeah, and then, but I always had 
And then you have those people who come to emerge and you do a little bit, a little bit of counseling and you see lots of abuse coming to emerge. So you want to help. Kind of that keeps your heart open. Mm-hmm. And uh, 10 years ago, I started working in, in pain clinic. Okay. And, uh, and that's where you see patients often. And that's where you talk to the patients. And all of a sudden, here I am talking. And uh, I have something to say, and they listen. Hmm. They do what I tell them. And, you know, we talk, we decide, and blah, 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 blah. Anyways, one day a patient came to me, and he said, uh, can you take me off narcotics? I want to take cannabis. And that was really beginning. I fell off the chair. Oh. I thought cannabis is there to get you high. Nothing else. I tried it myself when I was young, didn't do anything, never tried it again. Hmm. So I said, well, let me read about that. And then all of a sudden, holy, whole world. So this is, that was the first time. Then another patient says, oh, I'm taking magnesium and my fiber is much better. Or I'm taking vitamin D and whatever, my knee pain is better. And that's where I started reading. Because what I was doing in pain medicine, this is all lovely, but it's not in us. Mm. You can f- feel that something's missing. Mm. And then I had a personal experience with a cancer patient who really nothing was offered, um, traditional medicine. And uh, then we started that, that he was looking, my husband was looking for other ways of what can be done. And that was whole new learning for me. And I think that's all, all together just came into more and more and more. And then I started seeing that, that this kind of medicine does way more and it's more friendly to patients. And then I discovered ozone and that was it. Wow. Yeah. Now I would imagine you have had to um, spend a lot of money and time and energy studying and learning and purchasing equipment, and on and on and on and on. Um, I would imagine a lot of it was out of pocket. I, I don't know. All of it. All of it was out of pocket. So, you know, it's interesting. You know, I would say when I was a GP at the beginning, I always loved technology for efficiency. I want to have all the results in front of me. In the hospital, I could go down, I could read my x-rays, I could go to the lab. I love to get the results quickly and know what was happening. I hated waiting. Um, But there, you know, GPs would say to me, you know, well, we're going to wait till the government gives us um, an electronic medical record. And I said, like, I'll be in the grave before that happens. You know, so (laughs) if I want it, I get it and I pay for it. I mean, luckily, I'm kind of a glorified public employee, but still, if I want it, I buy it. Um, So you have been so committed to spending money to get to where you are. What's that been like for you? I think it's the same thing which uh, from from the wartime. Once I realized how these things I'm doing are beneficial, how they are good. It's just one thing led to another. Hmm. You know, so now, so I'm finishing functional medicine. I have a, actually today, my last course started, and I'm like, oh my God, I don't have time to do this. Uh, but I have to do it. And oh. also, I have to buy, I find um, 
some uh, master classes uh, from the German guy about ozone. I heard him talk last year, and I think he's uh, it's a different approach. I want to learn about that. Hmm. Uh, so it's all it's all the time something. Hmm. I don't even know how to like really started everything. Everything started like eight nine years ago with cannabis. And, and your whole one, world changes. And one thing happened. Well, my whole world changed changed with ozone. Really, hmm. till that time, I was kind of oh, I was do, doing stuff in my in my pain clinic. And I remember my my uh, medical director asking me to give him proof why magnesium is working. Hmm. And now it's in his notes as well. You know, so I was doing as much as I could, but I was too lazy and I had a good life to, I was too lazy to go out of what I was doing at that time because it was good. Mm. But then when I, once I learned ozone, I was like, I have to open a clinic. Mm. And I knew nothing about business. I still know very little, but we are doing it. Well, and I received it and I thought it was, Fabulous. I mean, I'd gone to people here in London, Ontario, as you know. Then mm -hmm. I went to see you privately. Um, if it wasn't for COVID, I would have gone back because it was, it's been very revolutionary for me. Um, yeah, and I did nothing. Trust me. Ozone did everything. <laughs> okay, well, then I will thank Ozone via you. <laughs> yes, yeah. But really, you had to be the one to put it in. Well, anybody can do that. Well, it's really awesome. <laughs> so, how did you tell me about this functional medicine course? Because you were kind enough to send me a link. Um, mm -hmm. What did? What are your thoughts? Having just about finished this functional medicine course, what are your thoughts? Um. I think it just, I, I think this is how I want to end my career. Mm. I think this is the best medicine there is at the moment. Mm. Probably it could be better. I still don't know how. Um, it's a different approach to, to everything. That's what I'm saying. Um, medicine has to go to root of the problem instead of just patching it. Mm -hmm. And functional medicine is that. So, uh, it's you come with a problem, I acknowledge your problem, but then I ask, why do you have... So really, uh, it's not that you have disease. Problem is why your body did not heal that disease. Yes. You know, we all have cancer cells in us since we are 20. Correct. But at one point you get cancer. So what, why your body was not able to fight it out? Mm-hmm. You know, so those things I'm trying to, to figure out. Lots of it, when I started with functional medicine, they're they very strong on diet. And I thought, oh, this is lovely. I can just change people's diet and their allergies are going to go away. And, you know, like they're, they're, they're going to um, be cured from diabetes and all kinds of things. Well, now I'm getting patients who went through all of that. <laughs> So I really have to sit and think what's wrong, how to get to the root of the problem. But really, it's very basic medicine. Mm. You know, I have this mentor. He's a business guy. 
and, and you know, an entrepreneur, and I'm very interested in entre being an entrepreneur. I'm not because I'm a glorified public employee, but I would love to be an entrepreneur. And what he talks about is that um, he has all of these wonderful thinking tools, and one of the tools he has is whether you do in whether you increase by two times versus ten times. And he said it's all about getting our past, present, and future right. Because he said, we all have creative fictional stories about our past or our future. You know, it's whatever we can get away with, basically. But it's all made up. I mean, children, when they're born and when they're little, they don't understand past, present, future. I mean, we have to teach them. So it's kind of a concept. But he said, if you want to, if he says to any entrepreneur, if you could do your business at two times, you could probably do it, right? And, he, you know, and we'd all say, yeah, you could probably do it. Yes, you have to make some changes. You might have to do this. But it's not very exciting. Like two times is not very exciting. So it doesn't have a lot of energy and doesn't have a lot of electricity. What do you mean by two times? Two times. So double. Let's say you wanted to double your business income. Mm -hmm. Make twice as much. Just, just use money as an example. Make mm -hmm. twice as much or make twice as much of an impact. So he said what people do is they start with their past and they consult the past. And they say, well, hmm, if I do this, you know, I'm pretty comfortable now. I'm good, good where I am. This is what people say. I have to make these changes. And so I talk to my mm -hmm. past and I sort of figure out, well, I don't know. I'd have to say so it's not mm -hmm. exciting. Right. So he said, it's hard. Whereas if you were to say, well, let's do 10 times people go, oh, my God, uh, I don't even know what that's like. But people who are big thinkers start with the future. They start with a future idea, because when you think big ideas of the future, you get excited. I mean, it's gets mm -hmm. electricity. It's the only thing that gives you movement. And then you, you know, you kind of corral your present to come with you, but you don't negotiate with the past. Like the past is like a union member. Uh, that's a crazy idea. Let's uh, have a drink and think about that. The, unit, the sort of the past has to justify itself. So all I'm saying is um, the thing I love about you and the thing I love about these ideas that I have going on is that they're exciting enough for me to make movement Mm -hmm. because if I don't have something really exciting, it's really easy just to do the same thing and mm -hmm. live our quiet little lives that we've become accustomed to. Mm -hmm. um, are you allowed to swear? Of course. Okay. So I agree with your guy with the past because if you are comfortable where you are now, that's the problem. Problem mm -hmm. is being comfortable. Mm-hmm. Because you are so comfortable that you don't want to move, even though you have all those beautiful things you want to do in, mm -hmm. in your lifetime. Mm -hmm. And that's really a curse. So, um, and then there's that future, and nah, I'm, I'm not sure what, what, that, what I think about that. Uh, for me, it was really ozone and... And thinking that my past, well, let's, let's talk the way the guy was talking. My past was so fucked up. 
mm, that I really, I don't have time to do anything I really don't believe in. Mm -hmm. So I had to change. And then also really came as a, you, you need, it, it just being comfortable is the worst thing ever. I was being comfortable up to three years ago. Mm. And it took me a lot. I had a good friend. We tried to open a clinic years ago. Oh, we were so lazy. We were making good money. We were living well. Why would we do that? Why would we put headache on? This, this what I'm doing now is not headache at all. Mm. It's just, it's just I, 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 I love it. Sometimes I go home at 8 o'clock at night. I have no idea that it's 8 o'clock at night. Because mm. I loved every minute there. Well, and what he would say is that, you know, when we've been around it, you and I are about the same age, we've, we've got some good stuff from the past. Clearly, mm -hmm. we've learned a lot. And, mm -hmm. and that's good that you want to learn from those things. And that's, you know, there's a lot of good stuff there. But it's not going to, it gets to come along. Uh, it has to sort of justify itself to me. I'm not going to let it stand in the way. But his point that you just highlighted was, two times or living the way we are is hard there's lots of stuff and it's it's devoid of energy whereas now that you're doing more and you you go you're moving towards something that's an excitement for you it's actually easier isn't that funny yes, it's yes more and energy you know less stuff yeah so and my my buddhist friends would say um if you keep your mind on your if you, if you think of your goal, then forget it. Yes. Path is what's, what's important. Mm -hmm. I don't care how much money I'm going to make. I don't care. Like, I, I really just care to, to provide a good medical care. That's really all what it is. The best I, I, I can. And since I don't know much about uh, functional medicine, I'm learning all the time. And that makes me happy because I'm a nerd. <laughs> I love that. Now, would you say, like somebody like me, a little GP from London, Ontario, should I take this functional medicine course or should I come and pay you to train me? Oh, I can give you access to all my courses. And so I'm just saying, is that something I should shell money out and start doing? Having been somebody, I, I don't think I don't think you have to pay anything for function. I'm just telling you, uh, I'm going to give you access to all my courses. So wow. it's just yeah. So if you want to start doing it, and it's long road, really. Well, <laughs> I don't know but, about you, but I know very little. So patients come in; they already done everything. I had a patient Saturday and. When he told me, and I'm just like, holy crap, I see, you know, big picture, but like, what's the, and I said, if you expect me to give you an answer now, you can walk away right now. I need to think about this. Hmm. You know, it's not, for me, it's not easy. Well, and for patients, of course, if they have an issue of whatever is plaguing them, they will know more because it's all about yes. them. Of course, it's exciting to them, and they will spend hours and days and weeks and months. Yeah. So and really, they've, they've seen all kind of doctors, all kind of naturopaths, all kind of like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But so you know, know if I, you want to do it, it's just wonderful. It's just, but you have to get out of your shell. 
Very yeah. comfortable shell. That's exactly. Very comfortable shell. Well, yeah. and a lot of times for me, pain as an example, um, is, is an indicator to me if I am not doing the right work. I mean, you know, yes, I've had some falls. Yes, I've had some problems. But I also know that if I'm galvanized and completely immersed in doing something I'm passionate about, I can, that's a huge distraction for me. So part of it is, you know, listening to your body. Mm-hmm. Oh, you can huge do, part. Yeah. yeah, like I believe in diet and supplements and all that sort of thing. But I realize that a lot of my issues can be supratentorial. Mm. So, you know, um, I wanted to I, ask you, sorry. Yeah, sorry. I'm just thinking. So if you, if you want to go into the field function, it takes lots of time. Mm. It takes, well, so I spent for initial consult, I spent like an hour and a half with a patient, but it takes me an hour to get ready for that. Hmm. And then after that, it's depending, like now it takes forever, hopefully a couple of years, it won't take that long, but it takes a long time. So you cannot stay in your system, in your health system where you're at now. Because okay. it's, not, it's not worth it. Well, and that makes sense. That makes sense. And I think, you know, one of the uh, other things I've become interested in, I don't know what your thoughts are on point of care testing. What do you mean? Well, I'm looking at this device that I read about only because I, <laughs> you I love like devices. You. Exactly. <laughs> um, like you, I love numbers. Um, mm -hmm. And um, I'm very interested in uh, let's say somebody came in with symptoms of flu. You couldn't tell whether it was flu or COVID. And there isn't a test right now, like point of care, like a handheld device I could use in my office. But there is one for flu or there is mm -hmm. one for blood gas. Well, it would be venous, but, you know, getting mm -hmm. a gas. And there are ones for, um, you know, certain things <clears throat> that you could do. Um, uh, plus, I, I am interested in the genetic stuff. So that somebody could come in and you could actually make a diagnosis then and there. Mm -hmm. Of course, you want to do all the things that are preventive, but let's say somebody has something. Instead mm -hmm. of waiting or sending them to emerge, I could do something myself, which holds them off from getting sicker, going to emerge, mm -hmm. getting hospitalized. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. But you still don't know why they got sick. That's correct. I mean, that's the thing about acute care. So the difference is, um, you know, what I say in medicine is we, I think, are good for acute care. Like if I got hit by a truck and pieces of me flew all over, somebody could mm -hmm. scoop me up and medevac me somewhere to a tertiary care center. They might put me back together and I may live. But when it comes to anything chronic, we suck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Surgery is great. If yeah. you need surgery, great. Your life is going to be longer because if you don't do it, you're going to die. But yeah. everything else, you are so right. Everything else sucks. Yeah. 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 So I know people in, in uh, California, in Stanford, they're making, oh, you will love them. They're making some health apps with a different point of care stuff on it for doctors. I hmm. love Stanford. I follow a, a really, a several really cool people there. All right. I'll look mm -hmm. it up. 
Yeah, there is. A, they have a department of innovation. Okay. And uh, I know the guy who is the director of that department, and they have all kind of. They're working on so many cool stuff. It's such a blessing for me to actually have met you. You know, I found you <laughs> online, and like, yeah. you, I think you're really exciting. So tell me, since I last saw you, you mm. have moved to a new place. Tell me about that. Yes, we have uh, our own space. Uh, we have, it's just beautiful. I it's bet. so healthy in there. I'm using colloidal silver to clean, <laughs> not wow. those kinds of organic stuff. Uh, I have organic soaps. I have real towels. I'm trying to get the waste down as much. I'm, I'm becoming a really crazy environmental person. <laughs> um, we have, like, we have a big IV room now. We have, I think, five chairs. And I have few injections. Injection, I have my office. Woman, first time in my life, I have my office. Wow. Yes, it's a small, <laughs> but it's mine. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it's just, it's very, very nice space. Very nice space. Yeah, I can't wait for you to come see. Uh, if we were having this conversation three years from today, um, same conversation, and you were looking back over the previous three years, so now we're three years, now we're at 2023, you were looking back over those three years, what needs to happen in your life for you to be happy with your progress? That a loaded question. <laughs> um, I can't. I can't look at things like that. I really okay. don't care. That's good. Uh, That's a simple not, answer. Yeah, nothing has to happen. It just. Let me be as, as true to myself as I can be and help as many people as I can. I'm working with myself. That's all what it is. Mm. Yeah. Well, and I there's... That's all what it is, yeah. But the reason I mention that is I'm sure that when I last saw you, you mentioned something about California. Mm. Oh, okay. No, no, I'm just thinking like 10 years ago, if you asked me the same question, I would give you exact path where I want to go. Next year, I want to have this. Next year, I want to have that. You know, I don't care anymore. <laughs> um, yes, California, all of a sudden, somehow, uh, my combo, what I'm doing, pain medicine and functional medicine is not popular in California. I guess they're so uh, positive there. Nobody has pain. I'm just joking. Um, <laughs> So um, some guys approached me and asked me if I would open the same kind of clinic there. So I think that's a great idea. I love California. And my favorite place on earth is there. So, um, yeah, so we'll see how that goes. I don't, I first I have to figure out how to, how to run this clinic. Um, and then, then see maybe to, to do another one. I don't know. We'll see. Wow. It's a we'll see. I love it. Yeah. Is there I'm anything? not going to huh? go. Sorry, I love going. No, I said I'm not. I'm not going to be. I'll. I'll be happy if that happens. But if it doesn't, that's okay. Hmm. Good place to be. Yeah. Is there something about you that I haven't asked that you think I should know? 
I'm pretty open book, I think. Mm. Is there anything else you want to ask me? <laughs> well, I think you're a great book. You're a great read. Um, Thank you. <laughs> yeah, because I love your passion and your curiosity and your desire to be a continuous and lifelong learner. I mean, I think that's really cool. Aren't we all? Hmm. Well, let's say that um, people wanted to come and see you. Mm -hmm. uh, because I will definitely be seeing you again. How do they find you? Mm -hmm. So since I know nothing about um, little apps and uh, technology, uh, we are redoing a website. I think this is the third time because um, my manager is just not happy with how it looks like. But okay. we are on uh, we are on uh, Google. And I know the name of the clinic is <laughs> <laughs> Upper Room Clinic. Upper Room Clinic. Yes, yes. So what I do, I I do pain management, and uh, so uh, for all people who have different kind of pain. Um, and we have a, um, a ozone clinic. We do uh, IV ozone, which is beneficial for everybody. And we run um, uh, IV drips. I have some really good pain IV drips. I'm bringing stuff from Germany. So I'm trying really to do uh, whatever is best in this clinic. Hmm. Uh, and, you know, if, if there is something better somewhere and I know, I'm going to get it. Uh, we just got a beautiful um, ozone sauna, which is not wow. regular ozone sauna. That sauna does all kinds of stuff. Um, I'm in the process of buying a mitochondrial machine. Oh, here's technology for you. Um, so patients would ride a bike with the oxygen uh, prones in the, in, the, in the nose, mm -hmm. and then computer would read uh, what's their mitochondrial function. Wow. Yeah. So that, that here is a research for me. Because, you know, I hate when people are ozone. What's that? Nobody <laughs> knows. Like, what's the evidence? So, and then after IV ozone, I can do again the same testing, mitochondrial testing. And I know that those mitochondria are going to be way in better shape than before we, we, we did the IV ozone. Wow. So that's what I'm getting. It's it's a bit expensive, and I didn't think I have money. I don't still. I don't think I have money, but I have a few cancer patients. I really want to see what I'm doing with them. So that's the way to to figure out. Who so, would yeah. be Who would be your ideal patient? Uh, well, depending. So if you want anti aging, you should come um, to do. I have some kind of protocols I, I learned over the time um, for patients with all kinds of arthritis and stuff. That's good. Uh, autoimmune, wonderful treatments, wonderful. And then all kinds of chronic inf infections, which regular medicine doesn't know what to do. Fibro, chronic fatigue, all of that is, um, is in my scope, and I can help. Well, and I think you're, you know, it seems that it was all meant to be in a way because of your extensive work in Emerge, dealing with critical cases and ICU 
and you're mm -hmm. training with doing IVs and injections, um, nerve blocks. I mean, I think it's so amazing to have those tools. And now that you've expanded to have the tools in your hand that of course were mm -hmm. costly that you can actually do see something, make a decision, do it, see the results mm -hmm. on your own. Yeah. You don't have to yeah, get permission. You don't have to, you know, do a referral and wait and da 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 da. Mm -hmm. it yeah, oh yeah, that, that would be perfect. Control. If you have no patients, that would be perfect for you. Yeah. Yeah, you see a difference and that's it. Well, and that's what we want to do. Yeah. You know, I like complication, but mm -hmm. it, it often is a complicated history. You just have, it, you know, it's kind of a puzzle. It yes. doesn't mean the situation is necessarily complicated. Yes. So uh, when you come, I, I bought um, uh, ah, a program from functional medicine. It's called Living Matrix. Hmm. And uh, so before patients see me, they fill the forms. And those forms uh, we have, uh, and then those forms we, we input into the program. And then um, somehow, you, you, you understand that better, but it gives me points of the body systems, which can be a problem. Hmm. Then I, I go deeper into that. And in the end, you have really comprehensive picture of the patient, every, every system, but not system in sense of, of liver, but it's a system in sense of biotransformation. So it's not just the liver. Yeah. So, so that's, yeah. But yeah, I just, when, when you were talking about my emerge, I still inject knees squatting down. Hmm. Or being on because if I sit like a normal person would, I miss. Mm -hmm. Isn't that funny? Because all my life I was injecting things in, in the funniest position possible, and, and you can't find chair in emerge, you know that. Yeah. Yeah, so that's really funny. Yeah. You are such a pleasure to talk to. I, I'm so appreciative you. that you took the time to speak with me. Thank you. I'm Paul Piper, didn't make a fool of me. Oh my God, are you kidding? You're brilliant. <laughs> I, I, I've learned so much from you. I can't wait. I don't know when you're open for regular people again. Um, I think so. I think last week he made an announcement that he's going to start be, um, being opening. Um, you have pain. You're not a regular person. <laughs> we, are doing, we are doing pain injections. Okay, well, that's wonderful to hear. Yeah. I just could have assumed everybody would be closed. That was bad on my part. No, no, no. Um, we, we, like my pain clinic is also open. Wonderful. Well, I'm so proud of you. Well, you're Thank a pleasure you. to talk to. Uh, it's a great pleasure to meet, and you've been wonderful to me. Thank you. Okay, thank, thank you for you. your time. Thank you. Thank you. I'll see you soon, I hope. See you soon. Yes, you will. Okay. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye.